Well, good morning. It is wonderful to be here today. It is wonderful to see you here today. And today we have a great opportunity. And the Bible tells us that we should take opportunity to give honor to whom honor is due. And in our world today, this is a time that's been set aside to think about fatherhood. And I want us to take a few minutes to think about fatherhood, but not just for the sake of fatherhood. Uh, what, what I think is really the great opportunity that is before us is that as we think about fatherhood as God designed, which is what we celebrate, by the way. Remember, we've said this over and over on, on holidays like Mother's Day and Father's Day, that, that we, we, we don't celebrate those things just for their very nature, but for in the ways that they reflect God's plan, in the ways that they reflect what God intended for them to be. Uh, that's worth celebrating. But with fatherhood in particular, we have an opportunity to learn about our Heavenly Father. In the book of Isaiah, the prophet begins, the prophet begins with an analogy of a father and his sons. Jesus, as He spoke to us about how we ought to pray, tells us that when we pray, we are, we, we are to pray our Father who art in heaven. And I hope that imagery makes you think somewhat of your earthly father. And I pray that your image of your earthly father makes you think about your heavenly father. Now I know that people in this room have all sorts of different types of fathers. Uh, some of you have fathers that, uh, to hear you tell it, they basically walked on water. Uh, um, some of you have fathers that uh, they... they not even really worth talking about, and probably everything in the middle. What I hope that we'll do is to take those good things and emulate them and focus upon them and learn from them, while at the same time when we find an absence in our life, that that absence will speak great volumes about what God intended for there to be. Sometimes that can be even a more powerful point than the presence in in our lives. See, when we see an earthly father, by God's design, He desires us to see His image, to be a reflection, to be a glimpse. Can I tell you that talking about fatherhood is, is always a struggle for me? Because I am a father. And, and as a father, I understand how far I fall short of what God really wants me to be. And those words that Paul gave in Romans chapter 7 when he said, Oh, wretched man that I am. I don't know exactly what part of his Christian life he was talking about, but when I think about what I want to be and what I need to be and what I'm supposed to be showing my children, and then sometimes how I fall short in that, it's frustrating to me. But that doesn't mean that we stop striving. That doesn't mean that we stop striving to show that greater image, to show more of our Heavenly Father and less of ourselves. You see, when, when, when young people, and I guess this doesn't just apply to young people, this could apply to any one of us, when we think about God's intent for fatherhood, God's intent for fatherhood is that there be a glimpse into the discipline and the guidance that God provides for His children. That's God's design. In Hebrews chapter 12, 
following that great hall of faith of these, these great many men and women of God who did these great things in the name of God, the Hebrew writer says in Hebrews 12 and verse 7, he says, it is for discipline that you endure. And God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as seemed best to them, but He disciplines us for our good, that we may share His holiness. For all discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the, peace of, the peaceful fruit of righteousness. The Hebrew writer says that one mark of a father, one mark of being a true son, is that of discipline and correction and guidance. When we started our Bible class this morning, uh, I'm right across the hall from, from all the kids' classes, and, and th- th- there were some kids that were, well, let's just say they weren't happy whenever class was starting off this morning. And, and, and I, shared, I shared a story. I remember when, when my kids got to the point that, that they didn't cry anymore at services. You know, that, that they weren't, you know, were like, don't like this, don't like that. All little kids do that. Parents, don't be... Don't be beaten down by that. Every parent has, has gone through those things. But, but I still remember when we were sitting at the very first church potluck, and I was sitting there, and I was eating my food, and there were some kids that were crying, and it hit me. That's not my kids. I spent years and years. Every time I heard a kid crying, I was pretty sure it was my kids. So you got to get up. you got to go deal with it. Right? All these things. Now, all of a sudden... Do you know what I did, John, when, when, when I heard those kids crying? I didn't do nothing. Not my kid, right? I'm not saying I don't love your children, but, but, but I, listen, I don't, I'm not their father. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying about our spiritual relationship with God. This idea that we, we, none of us like to be corrected. None of us like to have to grow or, 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 or to be guided. But that's part of God's design of that father and son relationship. And when we see that in fathers, when we see that in fathers, it is praiseworthy. And it's for the benefit of those children. And it is to be emulated. I think about examples of fatherhood like, like Eli. You remember Eli in, in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 2? There, there are some really sad things that, that, that are said about Eli's children and his home life in 1 Samuel chapter 2. You remember Eli was a great man. Eli was, was, was in many ways the spiritual leader of a nation. But in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 12, the Bible says the sons of Eli, they were worthless men. They did not know the Lord. I can't think of much worse that could be said to someone than that. His sons were worthless. Why were they worthless? They didn't know the Lord. They would abuse their position as a spiritual leader. They would take sacrifices that were not intended for them, for themselves. 
In verse 22, the text says, Now Eli was very old, and he heard all that his sons were doing to all of Israel, and how they lay with the women who served at the doorway of the tent of meeting. See, Eli, although he was even a great spiritual leader, was not a father worth emulating. But in the absence, we see what a father is intended to be. And by the way, you can read the text. It is not that Eli did not talk to his sons. Eli did talk to his sons, but he never did anything about it. And because of that, that spiritual mantle, that spiritual leadership was torn from them. God intends a father to lead their family, even to discipline and to provide that guidance. I'm grateful for fathers that do that. I'm grateful for fathers that have those hard conversations. Aren't there some hard conversations? Some things that I'd rather not talk about. Some things that I know is not going to be easy. Some things that, 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 that I know they're probably going to get upset when I bring these things up. And because of that, I just don't have it. Anybody ever known that they need to talk to somebody, but they just didn't talk to them because they knew what was going to come? With your own children? Well, I mean, I can raise both my hands on that one, right? But God's intent, God's intent is for that father to, to lead in that way. To have those conversations, fathers about fathers speaking to their daughters about, about modesty, fathers speaking to their sons uh, uh, about the opposite sex, fathers speaking to their children about the things that we entertain ourselves with, fathers speaking to their children about the ways that we treat others, giving guidance about those issues of life, about, about our place within the body of Christ about what sort of a man are you going to be? What sort of a woman are you going to be? That's God's intent. And I'm grateful when we see those things. The psalmist psalmist talked about the role of fatherhood in Psalm 78. In In Psalm 78, the psalmist said this, Listen, my people, to my instruction. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable and utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not conceal them from our children, but we will tell them to the generation to come of the praise of the Lord and His strength and His wondrous works that He has done. These things that God says, it is the role of fathers to pass on faith from one generation to the next. To tell your children not only, not only how to fix a small engine, but, how, but how, to, how to be an active part of the body of Christ. To teach them not only how to catch a ball, but teach them, teach them about the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. This is one of the failings of of so many in our world and in our culture, but what an awesome sight it is when we see people who take the admonition that Paul gives there in Ephesians chapter 6 to bring our children up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. To take that beyond just making sure that, that, that they're sitting in a pew on Sunday. It's not less than that. We need more of that. But biblical fatherhood goes far beyond that. Just as, our, just as our Holy Father goes far beyond your relationship on this Sunday morning. So we celebrate fathers from whom we receive a glimpse 
of the discipline and the guidance that comes from the Heavenly Father. Secondly, secondly, at times, at times in our earthly fathers, we are able to see a glimpse of the love and the compassion, the love and the sacrifice that our Heavenly Father has for us. You, you know, when we think about the idea of a God, one of the things that, that makes the God of the Bible so truly significant so different from, from most understandings of God throughout the centuries is the fact that we worship a benevolent God. We worship a God who is good. We worship a God who actually loves us. Which, which there's a part of us that, that in our culture says, well, of course God loves me. But I want to tell you that that throughout the centuries, one of the things that people have struggled to understand in a great way is how could God love me when I am the source of sin, when I am the one who puts Him on the cross, when I am the one who is responsible for the crucifixion of His Son? Can you picture, can you picture how difficult it would be to love someone who is responsible for the death of your child? It's similar to what Jesus says there in the Sermon on the Mount when He gives us the, the admonition to Love our enemies. That's hard to do, isn't it? Isn't it? Easy to say, hard to do. You're never going to do it unless you're intentional about those things. So people throughout the centuries have said, how could God love us? But yet there within the text, I see so clearly that God does love us. And we see that. We see a glimpse of that in our earthly fathers Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. To him who knocks, it shall be open. Many times people are intimidated in situations because they are so fearful of the reaction. Do these people, am I going to be a bother to them? Are, are they going to reject me? And God wants us to know that that, that that ought to never be the cause of concern. God never rejects that, that, that one who comes truly, penitently asking and seeking in order to find. We don't have to be intimidated in that situation any more than, than we would be intimidated to go to someone that we truly believe loved us. Because God truly does love us. And He will not take our sin and rub it in our face, but He will take our sin and He, and he will lift our head up. And He will walk with us throughout that journey. Jesus says, as He tries to illustrate this, What man is there among you when his son shall ask him for a loaf, will give him a stone? Or if he shall ask for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? We all understand that, that idea that we want good things for our, for our sons, for our daughters. And it's in that that we see this glimpse of how God feels about His children. A God who wants good things for us. Do you want good things for your children? Hopes, dreams, aspirations? Do you want them to be? Of course you do. 
And I know, I know that there's, a, there's a, a, a level where that can be destructive, but that's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about truly this desire for them to have what they need. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask Him? See, he says that the desire that you have for good things in your children's life, comparing that to to, to the desire that God has for good things in His children's life, is like comparing good and evil. His love and willingness to sacrifice for us so far supersedes our love and willingness to sacrifice for our children that it's like comparing good and evil. Doesn't that make you take a step back? When I read that about me being, yeah, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm evil in those things. I feel like I'm good in those things. Once again, he's not saying it's bad. He's saying that's what it looks like. That's the contrast. When we see that in a father who loves, as Jesus, as Jesus wrote about there in John 3.16, about how God so loved the world, Sometimes I think, I think we would do well to meditate simply upon that word, so. How deep is the Father's love that we get a glimpse of it? And I'm grateful for those, for those glimpses. That Father who even when we were His enemies, even when we were separate from Him, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4, even, even when we were living lives of, of, great reject, of great rebellion, the text says, but God being rich in His mercy because of the great love with which He loves us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, for by grace you have been saved. Isn't it wonderful when you have a glimpse of the Heavenly Father from your earthly father? If I want to show my children the Heavenly Father, the Creator God, the great deity of all, of all mankind, the great I Am, if I want to show them that Father, then I have that opportunity by providing them guidance and discipline. I have that opportunity by providing them love and sacrifice on, on my behalf, just like the Father, the Heavenly Father does. Thirdly and finally, when we see compassion, when we see the compassion of an earthly father, we have a glimpse into the true nature of our heavenly father. Romans chapter 8 and verses 12 through 17. The Apostle Paul writes about our relationship with God, and you know what he says. Romans, Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 17. So then, brethren, we are under obligation, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if we live according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Why would I live a life? Why would I live a life where I'm constantly striving to put to death the deeds of the flesh? It is because 
It is because we want the Spirit of God to live within us, to be led by the Spirit, as he says here in verse 14. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. And the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. That's the relationship. Not this relationship where He holds us at a distance. I understand reverence. We, we've talked about that a great deal, that you can come close, but you can come no, clo- you can come no closer. I understand that. But, but, but the error is that sometimes whenever we think about that, that we create God as this cold, unfeeling being who is distant from His creation. And that couldn't be farther from the truth. Our God is a loving, compassionate God, who desires and sacrifices for His children, that we can speak to with with that endearing language of of a child that is crying out to, to to their father, Abba. Do we do we pray like that? Do we talk like that? It's the imagery of that child who's hurt, and all they're looking for is their father. You've seen that. You've probably experienced that. That's what He wants us to be as His people. The psalmist said in Psalm 103, in Psalm 103, he talks about that compassionate God. Listen to what he says. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me blesses His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of His benefits. All the way down to verse 13, as he speaks about God, and he says, Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear Him. That's the God that we serve. And I'm grateful for glimpses of that heavenly Father that we receive from earthly fathers. Glimpses when we see that discipline and that guidance that God intended for fathers to provide. I'm grateful that we see that in the lives of so many. Grateful for glimpses that come when when we see a father who loves their child enough, not just to, to talk about their children or to say that they love their children, but even to become the sacrifice for their children, to do without for their children, even when their children don't know and they don't understand or don't even care. That Father who still sacrifices, that's what the Heavenly Father looks like. I'm grateful for those glimpses of compassion, of relationship, of depth of relationship. Not a cold, disinterested relationship, but a personal and intimate relationship. Can I tell you that when we extend the invitation and we ask you to come, that's the God who calls you. Yes, it is a God who is, who is speaking into your life, but not just to run your life. It's a God who's trying to help you in your life. It's a God who's trying to keep you from the pain and the agony that, that, that inflicts so many people. If we would only listen to Him and stop reaping the whirlwind in our lives. It's that God. It's that God who loves us. Not, 
Not, not only to say that He loves us, but a God who says, I understand your sin problem and I will bear the burden of your problem because that's how much I love you. It is a God, it is a God who weeps, even in the flesh, who weeps, who has compassion upon us and has great desire, has great desire for us to come to Him. It is not this cold, informal, here it is, you can take it or you can leave it. I guess there's a sense in which you could take it or you could leave it. But if you leave it, God will not be pleased and God's heart will be broken. That's the God that we serve. I'm grateful on days like today that we have examples of that that are worthy of honor. I'm grateful for the men in this congregation and in my life who have filled roles like that. I'm humbled by a challenge to try and provide that for my children and one day for my grandchildren. May we be people that provide glimpses of our God the Father. Friends, if you have a need today, that's the God who calls you to come to be born again. That's the God who calls you to be baptized into Christ, to be washed within His blood. That's the God who calls you to repentance. That's the God who says, who says you've been so far away and the whole world might have written you off, but I will never write you off as long as there is air within your lungs. That's the God who says, come unto me and I will give you rest. You come this morning if you have a need.